Okay. So we concluded chapter 34 of Tanya, which means we concluded a unit. He said 1 through 17 is a unit, the long approach of creating a relationship with Hashem through one's mind. 18 through 25 is a unit, accessing our natural love. 26 through 34 is a unit, uprooting sadness and apathy and implanting instead joy, which is expressed by energy, alacrity in serving Hashem. And now we're starting another unit, starting with chapter 35. And starting with chapter 35, what we're going to be focusing on for the next three chapters, 35, 36, and 37, so it's also a unit, is action. Action as the ultimate expression of serving Hashem and of changing spiritual realities, which is sort of unusual because we could think, well, Tanya is very spiritual and and esoteric, and it has a lot about the mind and the emotions, which it does. And now we're going to focus for three chapters and the enormous significance of action. Fear not. Picking up again in chapter 38, we will go back to the extreme significance of intent, of kavana, emotionally and intellectually both mental and emotional intent as transformative to everything we do. But at the same time, we know the enormous significance of doing. And that's chapter 35, 36, and 37. In 35, we see it on a personal level, how action is such a vehicle for us containing God inside ourselves. And in 36 and 37, we're going to apply it to Mashiach, to the redemption. And action as a vehicle for bringing the redemption. So us being focused on bringing the redemption is not a 21st century concept. We have two chapters of Tanya that focus on bringing the redemption as well. But now we're starting chapter 35. And today, we basically open up with two questions seemingly disconnected, and actually both of them very thematic to the entire chapter. The first question, and now we're going back to the opening verse of Tanya, on the, what we call Shablat, the gateway page of Tanya, we state the purpose of Tanya. And the purpose is to explain one verse, one verse in the Torah. And the matter is very near to you in your mouth and in your heart to do it. This matter is our relationship to God. And it's very close, very accessible to be completely perfect, to serve God with your mind, with your heart, with your speech, with your actions. We're like, really? I never knew that. Well, let's explain. And we have chapters and chapters and chapters, at least the entire first section of Tanya. Tanya has five sections. And the first section, 53 chapters, is all, in a sense, expounding on this one verse, this one pasuk, that it is so close to you. It's so accessible to have such a complete relationship with God. So at various intervals throughout these 53 chapters, we go back to our opening statement of purpose because that's really the central point that we keep 
reconnecting to, and then from there getting to a deeper level of understanding. So now we're looking at that pasuk at that verse, and we're saying, wait a minute. It's not really written in appropriate syntax. If I would say it in English, the matter is very close to you, in your mouth, in your heart, to do it. But those last three phrases, in your mouth, in your heart, to do it, are expressing the three ways I serve God. In my mouth, with my speech, in my heart, with my emotions and thoughts, and to do it with my actions. So since there's three parallel ways my soul expresses itself, the verse should be written in a parallel syntax. In your mouth, in your heart, and in your actions. Why in your mouth and your heart to do it in the infinitive? And it's also in the wrong order. Because the order always is thought, speech, deed, or in reverse. For, you know, I could go from most inward toward outward, thought, and speech, and deed. I could do it reverse, from action, more inward to speech, and most inward to my thoughts. But here, it's in your mouth, so I go to my speech, then in your heart, so I'm going all the way inside to my thoughts and emotions, and then I go all the way outside to do it, in my actions. So the order is also off. So why is it written this way? Why is it written as if in your mouth and in your heart is just funneling to the ultimate purpose to do it? instead of it being three equal concepts, mouth, heart, and actions? That's the first question. The second question is, the river says, what's the purpose of the creation of the benoni, of, of the human? Of the human who's struggling and struggling and struggling to become completely perfect and even attain perfection in all of his outward expressions of self, in all of his thoughts, in all of his emotions, in all of his speech, in all of his actions, but still constantly struggling for his entire life. Now, we're now there asking what's the purpose of creating someone who always struggles because we dealt with that the entire chapter 27. So in 35, we must be asking a different question. So the question we're asking here is, if you know that for my entire existence I will struggle and my godly soul and animal soul will always be in strife and battle and combat, and even though my godly soul is supreme, but she's still always battling to maintain her control over the animal, why did you create them in such a fashion that they're such close neighbors? That the godly and the animal are like interwoven inside of me. Meaning, if my destiny was to be a tzaddik, to be perfectly godly, to be a person who transforms his animal soul, and his animal soul actually becomes part of his godly soul, well, then I understand why you made them such close neighbors. It makes sense. So the godly can overwhelm and transform the animal. And then all that animal energy is used to serve God. That's good. That works for the tzaddik, for the absolute saint. But for everyone else who's struggling, and even people that are serving you perfectly can be struggling their entire life and contend with inner evil their entire life. It could look great on the surface. But inside, we have a lot of junk that we deal with constantly. So why would you make the animal so interwoven with the godly? Why do that to the godly? Why does she have to be so enmeshed in the animal when she can't transform the animal? Those two questions are very, very 
central in essence to the themes we're going to develop throughout this entire chapter. Any questions? Okay. To be continued. <laughs>